Matthew chapter 5, 13. We're going to be reading 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, what, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. Say to your neighbor, you are the light of the world. And a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Master, we thank you for this precious time that you've given us. We thank you for the awesome worship that has come forth. We thank you for all of the blessing, all of the grace, all of the mercy, and all of the favor that has followed us this week. But Father, I pray that this moment you would open our eyes, open our ears, And touch our hearts that we might learn something from you. That we might get a touch of refreshing today. That we might leave this place better than we came in, Lord God. More empowered, a little bit wiser, and a little bit stronger. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, y'all. Have a seat. Now, it's pretty rough. Because it's kind of like, it's kind of like I'm up to bat. And Babe Ruth is sitting right next to me. I got pastor sitting right in front of me. So he's making me a little nervous. I love him. He said, don't worry. He's only going to take half the notes, not all of them. (laughs) These are very exciting times for our church. Amen? Who's excited? You don't sound excited. I heard maybe one or two. Who's excited? Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. You see, because we got ourselves a building, right? That's not the church, though. We are the church, but we got the building. And something very special happens when you plant and when you make roots in a place, right? Something very special happens, and it's a beautiful thing. And we know that we are the light. We know that we are the salt. We know that we are the candle in a dark room that gives light to whoever's in the room. And uh, so we're called to be the light in this community. But it becomes even deeper when you own a property in the, in the community, right? Very different thing. I believe that what's happening right now, this is a transitional period where we're going from, um, we're going from being a, a surviving church to a thriving church. We're no longer bouncing from house to house, renting, um, you know, worried about getting booted out every so on, you know. And, and we operate in excellence. We operate in the best, and, and we do what we're supposed to do. But we no longer have to depend on anybody else. I may be sick, but I can dance still. <laughs> so these are very exciting times. Who's excited? All right, that was more like it. Stay there. Our mission is now changing. And our mission is to become the epicenter of this neighborhood. The hub of this community where men, women, children can find peace, 
can find integrity, where they can find righteousness, where they can find love, where they can find the answers that they're searching for, where they can find the breakthroughs for their family that they've been looking for generations and generations. And so we think, when we think about the church and the community, what do we think about? It's just anybody. If we think about the church in the community, what image does that generate in your mind's eye? Hope. Were you with me when I was typing up my message? Amen. Tell me. Hope is one, is one answer. It's not a rhetorical question. You can answer. Somebody's sitting there going, don't say nothing. He won't pick on you. Be quiet. Anybody, just shout it out. Food, outreach, family, love, instruction, relationship. What was that? Weird people. Nate would say that. The weirdest of them all. <clears throat> One of the things you didn't mention was salvation. Somebody said it back there? Marcela, come on, man. I know you much louder than that. You can shout it. Salvation. But the beauty of salvation, you know, we, we, we introduce Jesus, people to Jesus Christ. We introduce people to the gospel. And we lead them to salvation. But then what? Where do we go from there? And I've been in a lot of churches where salvation is the target. Salvation is the goal. And it stops there. That's not the model that Jesus gave us. Amen? Somebody say, Jesus did it a little differently than that. You bet he did. See, Jesus gave us an example in the word by showing us what he did as he traveled in the community. Right? He did stuff in the community. In the community, Jesus gave the community hope. Minister Mickey. <laughs> She's looking through my window this morning. Jesus gave the community hope. And as the, as the light of the world, we are to give this community hope. Right? We're here to establish hope. He declared the kingdom of the heaven is at hand. He declared that God was ready to reconcile with man. That Mashiach was here. They had just come through a 400 year stretch where God had not spoken to man. That's a long time. Now, when you think about the, the entire length of the Bible, it's, it's a huge portion, and 400 years seems short. But we're human. We only last, at, probably at that time, only about 50 years, maybe less. 400 years is a long time. And Jesus comes on the scene and says, salvation is here. Woo! I said I wasn't going to shout, right? I got to take it easy. And so Jesus showed up out on the scene and said, it's time. The thing you've been waiting for, the thing, the prophecy that you've been following is coming to pass with me now. He demonstrated the power of God by performing miracles. Right? Miracles that they'd only heard of in the days of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
So the people saw these miracles and said, God is here. He has shown up. It's the real deal. Amen? He rekindled people's belief and their faith who had been killed spiritually by religiosity. He brought people's spiritual lives back to life because all they saw, the, the religious people, the ones who were supposed to have it all together, were terrible. There were a bunch of legalistic lawyers and all they were worried about was political power and influence and money and having control over people. And Jesus shows up and says, that don't matter. I am here. He brought hope to the people. We, as the church in this community, are here to deliver hope to the people. The same way that Jesus did. He did some really cool stuff. People were fearful of demon-possessed folks. Jesus showed up on the seat and said, get out of here. And they ran for the hills. And people were like, who is this man? Hope. Jesus fed the community. That was another one. You said food. You're either hungry or you knew where I was going. Jesus fed the community. At one time, you saw him do it on a grand scale. He did... He fed 4,000 people in one shot with almost nothing, with like seven baskets left over. Another time he fed 5,000. He fed the community. It's our job to feed the community. And that doesn't just mean spiritually. That means literally. If we are to follow the model, the example, we need to feed this community. Jesus healed the community. Somebody say healing. healing. Anybody sick in the house? Anybody sick? In the, just two people. Only two people. Three, four. Listen. Jesus brought the healing. The healing is available for us today. When we pray for one another, we can expect healing. When we pray for people in the community, like we did when uh, when we walked through the community for the for the youth event, and we prayed for people out on the street, I believe that the Lord brought healing through us. Jesus healed the lunatics. He brought the dead back to life. Tone, you're going too far. I'm not bringing nobody back to life. Why not? Jesus did say, greater works than these shall you do. That's what he said. Tony didn't say it. I'm Polly the parrot, repeating. <laughs> Greater works. He took dirt, spit in it, made a mud ball, stuck it in a dude's eye sockets who had no eyeballs from birth, and said, go rinse it off, and the guy had eyeballs. That's nuts. Jesus healed the community. I believe... Now that we have roots, we're going to see like miracles. Somebody say amen. amen. Somebody say amen. amen. The other day I, was, I, I go through YouTube all the time looking for stuff. I'm kind of like a YouTube crackhead. And I stumbled upon something where there was this voodoo, traditional voodoo witch doctor guy. And he was kind of like on this talk show thing. 
and he looked really crazy. But uh, you know, what caught me was the caption underneath the, the tile where you see the video. And the caption says, Pastor come, pastors come to me for the juju. <laughs> right? So I'm curious. I click on it. And the guy's talking about <clears throat> all of the levels of healing that he performs for people. I cured impotence. I cured barren belly. I cured, you know, skin rashes, all this stuff. And then he said, the one thing I cannot heal is leprosy. And immediately I thought, my Jesus healed 10 in one shot. Ha! Juju is doo-doo. Jesus is the real deal. Sorry. Now, my next point is really important because it's a large part of what we need to do in our community. <clears throat> and it's actually a large part of pastor's ministry and what his calling is as an apostle. Jesus taught the community. It is our mission to teach our community. Somebody say, that's right. That's what we're supposed to do in this community. Think about how you can do that. Think about how you can bring hope. Think about how you can bring healing. Think about how you can bring teaching and training to those who need. He taught them the scriptures and how we should obey them. He taught them how to avoid the mistakes and the hypocrisy of the pious, the legalistic, and the religious elite. He taught them how to handle finances. He talked quite a bit about finances. And thinking about this, thinking about pastor, you know, the financial teaching that you bring to this house is just off the hook, right? And, I, and I, 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 I'm amazed. You ever go to a burger house? Like a hamburger house where they just serve, like they specialize in hamburgers? Hamburgers are awesome, right? So these guys have a unique gift of serving a hamburger like a thousand different ways. So he's not teaching like a whole bunch of new concepts every Sunday, but he always brings a fresh thing talking about the same thing from a different point of view, a different angle, a different perspective, a different flavor. And the whole idea of it is that he wants us to keep from being in slavery. Right? Jesus constantly taught people about money because he understood the bondage that it could literally put people in. Am I right, Pastor? And so Pastor understands that, and he wants to teach us and train us to be in control of money and not to allow money to control us. And that's one of the things we need to teach and train the people of this community. He taught them how important it was to value and show tenderness to little children. Right? In a day and age where you know, children were probably very insignificant, even in our own culture within, within the last hundred years or so, you know, there's a very famous term, children are to be seen and not heard. Right? That's rough, man. But he taught us that we needed to be like them in our relationship with him. Being a parent, you learn, you know, I'm, I'm, I have an eight-year-old daughter now and a six-year-old son, and I'm learning so much from them. 
They just blow my mind every day. The other day, we, um, their school, which is uh, Success Academies, they wanted to in, uh, interview my wife and I and my children for a new video that they're putting out for charter schools that um, I would imagine that they're going to be showing to some of our council members and politicians. We have a new mayor. Right? So they asked us because they, they apparently feel like we have, uh, you know, we're, we're exemplary parents. Uh, we're always involved in stuff. Matter of fact, on Thursday, they had a talent show where I actually played guitar for my daughter. My daughter sang True Colors from uh, Cindy Lauper. Man, she tore the house down. She really did. And she's actually kind of celebrated as kind of like a little rock star in her school. It's kind of weird. Serious, she really is. It's amazing, but that's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. They may not know that, but we do. And so, um, so they they um, interviewed my wife and I first, and then they had my children come up, and they're just so ridiculously adorable. And um, all all of the film crew were charmed by them. It's like seven in the morning; we're all still kind of half asleep. Excuse me. And um, <clears throat> so the interviewer says to the you know my children so if you had the opportunity to tell the politicians and the people that have control of this whole thing um who might want to stop your school from continuing forward who might want to shut down your type of school from you know continuing what would you say to them and my daughter says she said what would i tell them i would tell them you can't stop me then she says, there's no mountain too big that I can't climb over. I can't, I can't even, and it was dead quiet in the room. And I just wanted to, you're, you're, anybody, any old wrestling fans from like the late 80s? I remember when Hulk Hogan was in a fight? And the guy would hit him, and he'd start getting pumped up, and he'd start going. <laughs> I just wanted to go bananas. Because that was just so awesome. How many of us need to say the same thing in the face of the enemy when he tries to come against us? Man, we could learn from that. You can't stop me. My daddy's bigger than you. And he's given me all the power in heaven and earth. I can shut you down with the words of my mouth. Hallelujah. God is so good, man. And I got to tell you what they teach them downstairs. My kids are repeating in their, in their classrooms to the other kids. Thank God for the children's ministry in this church. Thank God for the children's ministry in this church. He taught them how to pray. He taught them the importance of having a good and proper scriptural and spiritual foundation. He taught them how to be a good neighbor. He taught them the importance of to give people clothing and food and shelter. And matter of fact, in Matthew 25, he talked about the consequence of not doing so. I think the words everlasting fire were mentioned. If you have done these to the least of me, you've done them. Uh, if you've done, help me out. 
do it unto me. If you do these things to the least of them, you do it unto me. There it is. If you feed folks, you clothe folks, you give them something to, you give them a place to stay, if you help people out, he likens it to doing it literally as unto him. That's a powerful thing. That's the job of our church in this community. I, um, now, that was Jesus in the community. That is us in this community. Now, if we've not done any of that, or some of that, or all of that, we need to reconsider our lives and what we're doing with our time before we get into that building. Man, you rarely hear Julio Rodriguez, but my man said, hallelujah. I'm going to say it again. If we're not doing that now, we need to really take a good, hard look at our lives and how we're spending our time before we get to that other building. Because it's going to get serious when we get over there. We can expect resistance. You know, a funny thing happened. Uh, well, it wasn't, wasn't funny. About a month and a half ago, I was here on a Saturday night. It was probably about, I don't know, nine, eight, nine, ten o'clock, somewhere. Uh, I don't know, on a watch. So I'm in here vacuuming, and a gentleman comes to the door. So I usually keep the door locked so nobody comes in and beats me up, you know. Um, so I go to the back, and he tells me in Spanish, hey, do you happen to know where there's like a house around here where they have spiritual services? <laughs> Say what? Now, because of my background, I immediately knew what my man was talking about. I said, yeah. I said, right here, tomorrow at 11 o'clock. No, no, that's not what I mean. You know, the, the kind where the people come in the house and the blah, 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 and he was speaking in Spanish. I was like, no, man. I was like, no, I don't know. I said, but I do know that you should be here tomorrow at 11 o'clock. Can you, did you not see Iglesia Pentecostal on the front of the church and you come here asking me for some kind of santeria? Really? Fuente de Jacob, Iglesia Pentecostal. Pentecostal church. Obviously, we're not the Pentecostal church, but you had to see that before you knocked on the door, dude. Come on. We can expect resistance. We could probably expect some witches to come pay us a visit when we open up. Am I lying? Am I lying? We can expect a spiritual stronghold to come against us. It's here already in the community. A few months ago, I saw a lady, uh, heavier set, older Hispanic woman walking down the block this way, head to toe, dressed in white. It's in this neighborhood. We can expect it. Sorry, I just thought I'd mention that. Get ready. It's not a game. So, I actually wanted to look up some information on church in the community, right? And I found um, the Heritage Foundation uh, website. 
And the Heritage Foundation is a, a think tank, a, a conservative think tank that's based out of Washington, D.C. <coughs> and they do studies. Right? What happened? Oh, thanks, Nate. <clears throat> Don't worry, one is coming. You'll get your chance. No lumbata, though. Um, so on this website, we have uh, an article by Dr. Patrick F. Fagan, right? And uh, he kind of was summarizing a study that was done over the course of about 10 years. And it was actually a, a summary of a bunch of studies that had to do with church spirituality in the community and what it does to a community, right? And there was so much information. Listen, write this down if you have the chance because I, I, I would really like for you to look this up if you get the chance because it's very interesting. All right, so it's the Heritage Foundation and it's an article by Dr. Patrick F. Fagan, F-A-G-A-N. Um, and the name of the article is The Impact of Religious Practice on Social Stability. <clears throat> and it was in December 2006. So now if you missed that, this will be online in the middle of the week at some point. You can go online and listen to it again. So I'm just going to share a couple of the smaller bits as it relates to family, right? Because we're kind of like this family-based church, right? We, we like to have families come in, and for me, family's important. Right, so marriage. Earlier research found that couples whose marriages lasted 30 years or more, reported that their faith helped them to deal with difficult times as a source of moral guidance in making decisions and dealing with conflict and encouraged them to maintain their commitment to their marriage. 30-year marriages. They found that there was uh, a thing where, they, where spirituality was involved. God was in the mix, helping them to make decisions to keep it together. Divorce. Those who view their religious beliefs as very important are 22% less likely to divorce than those for whom religious beliefs are only somewhat important. Excuse me. The sociological literature reviews by the late David Larson of the Duke University Medical School and his colleagues indicated that religious attendance is the most important predictor of marital stability. Check that out. Confirming studies conducted as far back, confirming studies that they did 50 years ago. So they noticed the trend was if couples are going to church, they're 22% more, more likely to not break up and divorce. That's getting Jesus in the mix. That's what church in the community does. It keeps marriages together and keeps folks from, having, from getting divorces. 22% would be like, what, one in five? That's pretty extraordinary by today's standards. Mother-child relationships, according to a 1999 study, when mothers and their children share the same level of religious practice, <clears throat> they experience better relationships with one another. And for instance, when 18-year-olds attended religious services with approximately the same frequency as their mothers, the mothers reported significantly better relationships with them, even many years later, indicating that the effects of their similar religious practice endures. 
confirming scripture. Train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they shall not depart from it. How cool is that? Father-child relationships. Compared with fathers who had no religious affiliation, those who attended religious services frequently were more likely to monitor their children, praise and hug their children, and spend time with their children. In fact, father's frequency of religious attendance was a stronger predictor of paternal involvement in one-to-one activities with children than were employment and income, the factors that that are most frequently cited in the academic literature on fatherhood. So the thing that they focus on more to determine the the father-son relationship or the father-children relationship is whether they have a job and how much money they make. Hardly in our society do the academics look at the idea of them going to church and how that affects their relationship. Why is that? Because they want to influence what we think is truth in our society. God is the key. The church is the key. Amen? So... There was such an extensive amount of information. I'm just going to give you each line, but there was a huge description and summary of each. But I'm, going to lay, I'm just going to list for you all of the areas that church had a completely positive influence on in a huge way. All right? Higher levels of marital happiness and stability, stronger parent-child relationships, greater educational aspirations and attainment, especially among the poor. Higher levels of good work habits, greater longevity and physical health. Higher levels of well-being and happiness. Higher recovery rates from addictions or alcohol or addictions to alcohol and drugs. Higher levels of self-control, self-esteem and coping skills. Higher rates of charitable donations and volunteering and higher levels of community cohesion. Folks getting together, looking out for one another and social support for those in need. That's what the church and the community does. That's our job. The evidence further demonstrates that religious belief and practice are also associated with, check this out, lower divorce rates, lower cohabitation rates, lower rates of -of out-of-wedlock births, lower levels of teen sexual activity, less abuse of alcohol and drugs, lower rates of suicide, depression, and suicide ideation, which means just you're thinking about suicide. Lower levels of many infectious diseases, less juvenile crime, less violent crime, less domestic violence. Now, if our politicians just simply paid attention to what the evidences of the church in a community are doing, they would have the silver bullet that they keep saying is not available to our society. What is the problem? But they're so blinded because they're working so diligently to get Jesus out of government that they don't even care about it. It's irrelevant to our politicians. It's irrelevant to our government. But the church is the answer. And our politicians keep telling us that policy is the answer. Excuse me. starting to go i gotta get through this thing quick that is what the church and the community does that is what happens when the church is 
doing what it's supposed to be doing. Amen? Somebody say amen. amen. We bring holistic and comprehensive healing to the community. Holistic and comprehensive. Holistic. The whole man. The whole woman. The whole child. Every aspect or facet of their life. Not just salvation. Amen. Amen. And that's what we need to be thinking about. What is our part individually in that? It's interesting, the dynamic of being able to say we. We is a cool word, right? Uh, You belong to an organization or a team. We took the championship this year. Dude, you're the water boy. What are you talking about? We had a profit increase of $7 billion. My man, you scrubbed the toilets. How did you play a part in that? But check this out. As it pertains to our church, I mean, you know, we can say we have a building. But it's not until we start saying I and identifying that this is your church individually. So we need to turn we into me. The idea of ownership. I don't know about you, but this is my church. Pastor, whose church is this? Jasmine, whose church is this? It's my church. Say, it's my church. Sis, whose church is this? Nate, whose church is this? That's right. It's us. The Lord is depending on us to do the work. The Lord is depending on us to step up to the plate. And listen, I'm not talking to everybody here. Because I know that there are new converts and people that kind of just came into the fold. And a lot of this message is for you to understand some stuff. But a lot of what I'm saying, I want to hit somebody who's been standing next to me worshiping for the last, since 2004 when I got here. If you've not gotten activated, come on. If you've done nothing, I'm sorry, I don't want to be rude, man. But if you have sat here and only come on Sundays and shouted your hallelujah and had a great time and you've not gotten involved in anything, nothing whatsoever, that's a problem, man. I'm sorry. (laughs) Deacon is helping, Dennis is helping me preach, Deacon. Come on. Look. I get involved in whatever ministry is available. I don't think that any ministry is mine, right? I get involved in any ministry that has an area for me to serve in because this is my church. And I get involved because this is my church. And I'm here to serve you guys. And if we, if we had more people that had that same type of attitude, pastor wouldn't be stretched out in so many different directions. And those who are in leadership here wouldn't be so stressed out and stretched out and burnt out. We need to stop that mess. Some of you have the answers for some of us in the church. And the same way they may come look for us for spiritual guidance or leadership, you've got the same answers. It's up to you to make a choice. Sorry. But I'm telling the truth. (laughs) I don't need you to shout and get happy. I know I'm right. Praise God. 
Again, Jesus is the key. We are Jesus' representatives here on earth. We're here to do the work, amen? So now, I said that we are no longer a surviving church. When we get over there, and it has to start now, the, the change of ideology, the, the mental change, the, the change of drive, the, the heart change has to start five minutes ago. Because when we get over there, you've got to hit the ground running. Because the stakes just got, <laughs> got higher. Three quick suggestions, three little strategies for us to think about before we get across the street. Everybody say, from surviving to thriving. From surviving to thriving. There are three things that I want you to think about before we get across the street. And I know I say it's across the street, but it's like three blocks that way. First thing we got to do, we got to make up our mind. We got to get focused. If we're sitting on the fence, get off the fence. Make a decision. If you're grateful for what the Lord has done for you, make up your mind. If you're satisfied with sitting at Sunday services and not getting involved and not helping to serve and not helping to minister, that's cool. You know, keep coming. That's great. I'm sure the seat is totally happy that you're keeping it warm on Sundays. <laughs> but listen. There comes a time when you've got to step up. We're moving on up. <sighs> Man, I took a gamble there. It's time to step it up. It's time to bring your A game. Get off the fence already and get involved. If we allow ourselves to go, sorry, make up your mind. The second tip. Second tip. Are you ready? This one's going to be really cool. You're going to really like this. You're going to be real hungry after I mention this. <laughs> my second, what was my first tip? Make up your mind already. My second tip is stick to a vomit-free diet. <laughs> yeah, that was gross. Stick to a vomit-free diet. If you've been delivered of something, stay delivered. Book of Proverbs says that the fool goes back, that goes back to his sin is like a dog that goes back to his own vomit. If you enjoy vomit... I can't even follow that up with anything else. I'm just leave it right there. Stick to a vomit-free diet, man. If there were some things that you let go of that God has helped you with, don't pick it up again. Don't pick it up again. Don't pick it up again. 
There are people that come to church year after year after year after year after year that keep tripping on the same thing over and over and over and keep saying, God, take me from it. Take it away from me. Deliver me. And God said, how many times do you want me to do that? What's the problem? Don't eat your vomit. Don't eat your vomit. Stay delivered. If we allow ourselves to go backwards in our walk and allow unrepented sin to grow and fester, we can do more damage than good to this community. I know what I'm talking about. Just this week, I heard on the news, there was a pastor, uh, White Plains Road, 228th. Uh, You may have heard of it. This pastor was, um, and man, this is rough because it really breaks my heart in a big way. It was a pastor, um, I'm not even going to say his name. He just got uh, convicted and got 10 years for uh, raping two young children, literally, a 12-year-old and I think a 14-year-old. And the way they got him was they, they got DNA evidence from the one who was 12 that gave birth to the child, <clears throat> figured out that it was his, and didn't, denied it to the very end. They even offered him a plea deal. Five years, you're familiar with the case? 10 years, when he's done here, they ship him back to Jamaica. Good luck then. Now this guy opened up a school. I think it was a charter school, I think. And he was doing a mighty work for the community. It was a powerful church. He had friends like T.D. Jakes. Yeah. He was doing the right thing. And I'm positive that he didn't just wake up one morning and say, I'm going to rape a 12-year-old. That was something that he, he probably had an issue with before he got saved, got delivered from it, and entertained that thought and didn't repent from it and allow it to fester and grow. And daily, little by little, that little thing became a big thing and he could no longer resist it. Listen. Stay delivered. We could wreck our destiny. We could wreck our community. If we don't stick to a vomit-free diet. There's another uh, uh, minister in North Carolina, a former stripper, right? She, um, she, uh, she apparently was ministering to peop- uh, young ladies who were still strippers. She did a video with her husband ministering, uh, wearing a top where her breasts were exposed, preaching the gospel. Outraged the community. What the heck? <laughs> Sound ministry is on fire today. What is that? Are you kidding me? I'm not going to mention the lady's name because I don't want you Googling nobody and seeing those pictures, but I'm telling you, it's disgusting. Somebody had commented on a Twitter page and said, surely we are in the end times. Stay delivered. Stay delivered. Stick to a vomit-free diet. 
My third and last point, protect your stuff. Protect your stuff. Protect your testimony. Protect your integrity. Protect your family. Protect the blessings of God in your life. Don't be so quick to give it up. Whatever blessings God has given to you. Sunday uh, night, my neighbor downstairs knocks on my door. Hey, man, we got water coming through the ceiling. It's a recurring problem that happens over and over again. The pipes in the wall are busted somehow. My landlord calls me up, cursing me out. Cursing me out. Like, I'm like the nicest guy on the planet. And he tells me I'm a liar. He didn't say it that way. He called me a BS con artist. Like, literally. In 20 years, I can't remember how many people have called me a liar. I don't think anybody's called me a liar in the 20 years since I've been saved, since 95, 19 years. Right? So, in the same phone call, he tells me, you need to start looking for another apartment. John, you're being unreasonable, right? Sorry. Shouldn't have said the guy's name. Pray for John. (laughs) Tells me I need to start looking for another apartment. I say, you're being unreasonable. This is unfair. You know, he's telling me that I'm allowing the water to overflow from the tub, right? And man, this has been going on for months, right? My wife has been vexed over this situation to the point where I would get a call and I'd be on the phone talking to my landlord who had gotten a call from my neighbor downstairs to complain. And Belinda, you know, the, she's my amazing queen. But sometimes she's less patient than me, right? <laughs> and, and we're being transparent. Is it okay, sweetheart? All right. So she <laughs> and I remember the conversation vividly. We're having lunch uh, in, uh, in the middle of the day. She had t- just taken a shower and met me at the diner. And we're sitting down, and I get this call. Hey, John, what's going on? Oh, water. Oh, oh. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry about that. I, I really don't know. Yeah, my wife took a shower, but, you know, I, I don't think any water got out of the... You want, you want me to put duct tape on my shower curtain? And Belinda's sitting across from me saying, You tell him... You tell him... She was upset. My wife had had enough. And I, you know, I was very patient. Yes, John. Yeah, we'll, we'll put some duct tape on the wall. And I know there's no water escaping. It's a 120-year-old house. The pipes are jacked. It's not, we're not doing anything that's causing, and he's, you know, telling me, he's telling me that we're doing this. So he curses me out Sunday night. He says, I'm coming tomorrow. All right, John, I'll be here. I called him. And uh, that morning, I literally got on my knees in the living room. I said, Lord, this apartment has has been a blessing to my family in the six years we've been here. It's even been a blessing to my church. We've been having ministers meetings at my home. We've been having the new... Uh, members meetings in my home we've been having fellowships with the brethren where we've been praying in my home and having some 
insane breakthroughs where we're seeing answers to prayer happening. Right, Mark? Right, babe? Right, Julio? We've had some fun. I had Julio laughing on my couch a couple weeks back. I thought he was going to pass out. Having a good old time. We're watching some old Bill Cosby. But my apartment has been a blessing to us. And I said, Lord, this place has been a huge blessing. If it's time for us to go, let John come through the door, cursing and flipping out. Let him insist that we leave. That'll be my sign. But if we're supposed to stay, and this place is supposed to continue to be a blessing, let him come through the door with an apology. 10 o'clock, 10 10 (laughs) o'clock. Yeah, that'd be a good time to dance, Nate. (laughs) 10 o'clock rolls around, he knocks on the door. Now, you know, I'm a nice guy, but I'm a man. You don't curse me out on the phone, and you don't call me a liar without me feeling something. Right? Took a deep breath, went downstairs, opened the door. John is standing there. He says, Tony, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have cursed you out on the phone last night. I shouldn't have yelled at you. I was just really upset that this has been going on. All right, John, why don't you come upstairs and take a look, and you'll see that I'm not lying. Everything around the tub is bone dry. Yeah, let, let, let me just go take a look. And God is good, man. Don't be so quick to give up your blessings. Don't be so quick to hand them away or to lose them over something stupid, something that has no eternal value. Protect your stuff. Don't allow your spirit to be polluted with the carnality of this world that the media has uh, surrounding us 24-7. Protect your spirit. Protect your eyes and your ears and your heart. Protect your mind against even what people say. Against the garbage that you see on TV. There is some garbage on TV. They got this new show called The Preachers of L.A., Am I good on time? I'm not even paying attention. I'm sorry. Okay. I got like 10 minutes. So the preachers, see that? I mentioned preachers of LA and they're like, no, don't go anywhere. (laughs) What garbage? What absolute nonsense? So Belinda and I are actually watching a video clip from um, a news. Um, interview that they were having with one of the pastors. So it's like a, the, the, it was the skater pastor. I don't know if you guys have seen it. This is the first time I saw it last night. There's one of the pastors. He's a former skater, like a professional skater dude. Like, hey, man, gnarly. And it's all in California. And, and it was really cool. And they actually showed a clip of this pastor, like, skating and doing all of these neat tricks. I was like, man, I wonder if Pastor Vic can do that. Never happened. Never happened. <laughs> It, it was so cool. And I'm like, wow, this guy's a pastor? And uh, he's interviewing with the uh, the guy. And um, 
the big thing about this whole thing is that they're kind of like prosperity preachers, and they have big money, like big, big, like insane big money. And uh, one of the pastors, he collects like really fast and, and expensive cars. Then the other pastor's a bishop, and he kind of likes, he's kind of a ladies' man. Mm. Noel Jones, Nate be watching. My man is oxygenated. Don't watch this junk, please. Right, so, and then you got the skater pastor, and then the interviewer is interviewing the skater pastor, and he says, you know, Abraham had, you know, money enough to take care of this, and, you know, you find the, the, the recurring issue with money, and these men were wealthy. Why shouldn't the pastors of today be wealthy? And the news reporter says, well, okay, but doesn't the scripture say something about the camel with the needle thing? Wait, wait, wait. Wait, it gets better. Hold on. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Got you all sitting on, your, on the edge of your chair. So he goes, and the pastor's response is this. He says, well, yeah, the Bible does say it's harder for a camel to get, to the eye of, get through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to get into heaven. catch that you caught that what's the problem with that it's only for him he can do it. nobody caught that i near fell out of my seat that's not what the scripture says the scripture says it's easier for the camel to get through the eye of the needle than it is for a rich man and immediately i caught it. i was like ah. and i thought to myself therein lies the problem Well, it's more than that. He twisted it to say what he wanted it to say so that he could continue to be rich. What the problem is? Good God, have mercy on us all. Listen, I'm about to preach like a whole other message. Read what Jesus said to the Laodicean church when you get the chance this week in the book of Revelation. See what he says. Think about how that applies to your life. I don't know what that means. I know what it means to my life. Are you cold? Are you hot? Are you lukewarm? Let's think about that. We have been blessed by God to take CCF to the next level. Amen? We wanted a building. He granted us a building. Apparently, he thinks we're ready. We are putting down roots and church for us has become a whole new ball game. Somebody say a whole new ball game. We are here to do away with old dysfunctional systems and to do away with the status quo and to become the salt and the light and the candle in the dark room and the house on the hill that God wants us to be in this community. Get ready. Get your mind ready. Get your heart ready. Get your hands ready. Get ready. Get ready. Somebody say, get ready. ready. Turn to your neighbor and say, get ready. ready. Because our church in this community 
is going to be a thriving church. We are going to be a thriving church. This is the new season where there's going to be growth. We're no longer a surviving church. We are a thriving church. And we need to think as such. We need to act as such. We need to live as such. Amen. Please stand up. Hallelujah. I thank you, Pastor, for this opportunity. Uh, oh, actually, it, it was supposed to be Elder Ross speaking today. It's his birthday. Um, and his family wanted to take him out. And I guess this was the only day <clears throat> that they could all connect. They all live pretty far away from one another. And we love him, don't we? And I wish he was here so we could sing happy birthday to him. Now, in the coming weeks, and, you know, we don't know exactly how long it's going to be before we're, you know, making the exodus. Exodus. Movement of your people. Sorry. No Bob Marley fans in the house. I don't know how long it will be before we make the exodus across the street. Could be weeks. Could be months. I got to tell you, God is working in our favor. And if it's taking a little bit longer, it's because there's a reason. Because God is a God of order and perfection and excellence. And could it be possibly that he's giving us the opportunity to prepare, to reflect, to get ready to sharpen ourselves.